0: Welcome to the Freight Booker Bootcamp Audio Experience, and I'm your host, Dennis Brown. All right, so here we are, Elio Longoria, welcome to the show.
1: Morning or afternoon.
0: Yeah, afternoon. Thank you so much. Well, listen, it, I'm so glad that we connected. I don't remember exactly how it transpired. Maybe it was through Facebook or an email, but you know, you told me that you were a past student, and then you started telling me your story. And then and I had to jump on the phone with you. So we got on the phone. This was a couple of weeks ago. And you started telling you a little bit about your journey. And you're really just a brand new startup. Is that correct? That's correct. Cool. So tell me what attracted you to the freight brokerage industry? Because you were working in corporate America, right? Can you kind of tell us how that whole thing evolved?
1: Yeah. So, um, I've been in corporate America for about, uh, 15, 16 years now and, um, primarily always, you know, business management, sales, primarily it's sales focused. Um, and about, I want to say eight months ago, June, June of last year, uh, a buddy of mine got intrigued by trucking the trucking industry. And, um, you know, he, that kind of really planted the seed for me and him and I actually are trained sparring partners. Um, In jujitsu, and we have a real close relationship, and I respect the hell out of him. But he's always he's got that entrepreneur spirit. He wanted to kind of take that leap, and um, so he came across a person um, in the fall of last year, and basically sold him a dream: how great trucking would be, and and this and that. And um, you know, uh, come to find out, you know, it just it intrigued me, and I said, listen, I can't jump in with you, but I'll definitely consult on the sidelines and do the best that I can. So I just. You know, what ended up happening, one thing led to another and nights and weekends turned into YouTube videos, you know, of people like yourself and, and others and just kind of learning, learning more, buying books about the logistics industry in, in general. And then at the end of last year, I thought that evolved into, hey, you know what? I'm not going to be a trucker or own trucks, but what I'll do I'll, I'll start a dispatching company. And I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, until one day in November, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine and I told him what I was thinking about. He goes, you know what? He goes, well, we probably didn't know this, but we pay brokers like a crazy amount of money to move freight for us. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, yeah. And, and in my head, I'm thinking, well, listen, I don't think he did it because I, I told him I wanted a dispatch, not broker. To me, brokers seemed like an overwhelming, far-fetched, you know, idea that I didn't think I had the capabilities to, to do. And um, he goes, yeah, dude, he goes, he gave me the amount. He goes, we pay this to send it from here to New York. I'm like, interesting. So I hauled the ass back to the house and I made a phone call and I called a few truckers and I asked him, hey, what do you, what's this normally go for? And when I, when I, when I heard the amount, I'm thinking, I identified the gap. I'm like, there's something here. And long story short, January 1, after pondering the idea on January 1, the first thing I did that Friday morning was go to the FMCSA website. I dropped 300 bucks. And I applied for my license and then the paperwork started from there. Um, I looked at the calendar and I gave myself six weeks to put a plan together and work backwards from that
0: date. And what's really interesting is you were still working in corporate America full time when you kind of identified the gap. You went and filed for your authority. All of that. right? right? You were still working full time in corporate America.
1: Right. Yeah. And it's not a forty hour a week program. It's unfortunately it's it's early morning sales meetings, you know, late night promotions sometimes. And then it's, you know, with Zoom calls and, and working out in the field. Um, and then unfortunately, my wife and I both got COVID. So we had two little kids to manage at the same time and God, God blessed us, and they didn't get COVID. So we all made it out okay and everything was Thank cool. God. Um, so you know, it just to be honest with you, that was another reason why I thought, hey, look, you know, this is a sign. You know, you don't want to be in your deathbed looking back one day, thinking, "Damn, I never gave myself a shot. I never believed in myself." So it's like, let's let's rock and roll.
0: Love it. So you went through the process. So you did you you enrolled in Freight Broker Bootcamp, correct?
1: <sighs> I did, Dennis. Um, I think I did it right after I I applied for the FMCSA FMCSA license, and I said, "I'm gonna need some training." So I did that along with some Amazon books that I that, that I found online, and uh, I found your course to be pretty helpful. Yeah, uh, the resources that you provided are pretty kind of cut and dry. Uh, the articles, um, I know I think you referenced in one of your videos, that's when I, I became really hooked on your videos and started taking certain nuggets and tidbits and trying to piece it all together. And I used that to develop a plan. In fact, I was, I, you and I actually interacted a lot through your YouTube videos. And I was kind of telling you, you know what, this is spot on. This is exactly what we use today to build annual business plans. It's real basic. It's not, it's not complicated stuff. So I actually went ahead and, and, and printed and printed the articles that you provided for us. And I knew I wasn't going to always have access to the computer. So as I'm driving around, any spare minute I had, I'd pop that article thing open and start reading it. Um, it turned into reading time with my kids where they read their books. And then I was reading, you know, the uh, Freight Broker Bootcamp article directory.
0: I love it. Perfect. Yeah. and And, you know, the thing about it is this. What I love about it is that you took the initiative and you took a little bit of risk, a calculated risk about going out and applying for your authority even before you bought the training. I mean, the reality is guys, I'm going to be very honest with you to apply for your freight broker authority is just not that complicated, right? If you go to the FMCSA freight broker, you know, registration page, it literally will walk you through it. I mean, there's some forms and a little bit of lingo you'll have to understand, but there's nothing that you can't learn there to apply for your authority. So I get this question all the time from people. They're like, well, you know, um, you know, after this, will I have, my, after I take Freeburger Bootcamp, will I have my authority? No, we teach you how to get your authority, but that's a very small percentage of what the course is about. The course is more about, you know, starting with, you know, a little bit of education and lingo and terminology and understanding the basics of the market, then your authority and then it's kind of launching the program more, you know, setting up your home office and understanding the fundamentals of rating and and how freight moves and some of the sales and customer acquisition stuff. So I mean, that's where the course is really more valuable, right? Than just the actual setting up your authority. We don't do, you know, authority. You know, we don't do uh, done for you authority processing. I mean, because you don't need it. I mean, the fact is, you you really don't need it. There's people out there you can pay to do it, but I'm not going to be one of those guys, right? I teach you. I don't feed you, right? It's that type of deal. So, so you went forward, you applied for your authority, you went through some of the freight program camp training and then tell us what happened next. Tell us, tell us a little bit of that journey. You should be able to summarize that fairly quickly because you're literally just, you started operations, what the beginning of March.
1: Yes. March one. Um, <clears throat> the initial plan, my six week plan was to kick things off um, yeah. part-time uh, nights and weekends and after work. And obviously, you know, my wife and I had a pretty decent regimen working out, early, early in the morning. So that for me, that kind of skipped out and that turned into from working out to working on this. And uh, so February 15th, that's when we're gonna look to kick things off and start cold calling and send an email blast and LinkedIn and kind of more or less hide behind the logo, right? I didn't wanna expose myself totally yet. And that was the week of the big storm freezing Texas. So everybody was at a halt and nothing was happening. So then I went from, I gave myself a goal of landing at least one customer in the first two weeks of February. It didn't pan out. Um, I landed my first customer on February 26 on a Friday afternoon uh, after I had just finished cold calling them earlier that week. And it's turns, You know, I followed up with them and I gave them some quotes and I don't, will forget. It was like on a Thursday night, I sent out some quotes and I was nervous as hell. I'm like, what am I doing with quotes? I don't know what the hell to quote. But I just I did my due diligence. I went online. I, I called a couple of you know carriers. And I got some feedback. I said, you know what? I'm just gonna take my shot here because if I don't, then I'll, I'll never know if I if I came close or not. So I shot it. He comes back Friday and he goes, hey, listen, we're you know granted this project and we need help with trucks. So at the moment, I probably should have said, hey, we need to give this to a more experienced uh, freight broker. And I did the complete opposite. I said, you know what, we're on it. And um, so we didn't sleep that entire weekend. We worked all day, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I didn't have much luck by Friday afternoon. So as I'm driving to my kid's uh, basketball practice, I had to call the shipper and ask for an increase um, on the uh, truck payout. And uh, he got it approved within 45 minutes. So then Saturday night, Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, that's exactly what we did is we booked all the trucks necessary. For that, for that project on Monday. And um, I even went out and got my own PPE uh, at Home Depot on Sunday. And I've never owned boots in my life. I got boots and a hard hat. And um, I actually drove to the site at 4 a.m. just to kind of see if my trucks were going to get there on time. Um, and when I got there, they're like, you know, the guys were like, who the hell are you? And what are you doing? I'm like, I'm with Interfire Logistics. I'm a freight broker. Oh, you're the guy with the trucks. Like, yeah, come on through. Like, okay, sounds good. Cause we're gonna have a quick sales meeting basically it's just a bunch of us screaming at each other so just bear with us for about 30 minutes and then we'll get going and uh sure enough our truck started showing up and i was just kind of waving at them they didn't know who the hell i was but they're like who's this guy waving at me and <laughs> I, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of like hey we've never had freight brokers come out to the job sites i'm like you know what it, it's a new client it's a new project so i just want to make sure things are kind of going the way they need to go so um it was, it was neat it was an experience
0: And so what were the results of that? So you hustled, you covered a bunch of loads, the truck started coming in, and this was basically like a project, right? You would kind of bid on X number of trucks for a certain project that this client was doing. What was the end result? We'll dig into some of the middle parts, but what was the end result of that first client in that first week of actually moving freight? Uh,
1: 75 shipments and $46,000 in sales.
0: And that resulted in about how much in profit? A little over 7000 Correct. So $46,000 in revenue, $7,000 in profit. Now, when we say profit, guys, for those of you that are new, we're talking about gross margin, the difference between what you're charging the shipper and what you're paying the truck. And you you understand Elio's a startup, so his overhead is very, very low. He's got a couple load boards. He maybe has a little bit of software. Maybe he bought a computer or a phone, something like that. His overhead yeah. is very, very low. So that seven thousand dollars is literally profit to help him, you know, continue to get more clients and develop his business out. And so, yeah, I mean, that happens so quickly. So, tell me, so you were cold calling. You started out. I mean, you had you had first kind of got the idea through a friend who said that they pay brokers. What happened there? Is there a relationship there where you're gonna be able to do business with them or do they require you to be in business a certain amount of time or was there just too much of a process to start doing business with him? Where did that go?
1: So actually uh, we just had a follow up conversation because since then um, what I didn't wanna do is come to him with zero experience and potentially make an error or mistake. So I said, you know what, I'm gonna already have that there let me, um, let me come back to that once I get some experience on my own and, and go through some headache, right? Go through some scary situations. That way I'll know how to address and face them once I, once I do you know, work with him. Now, he works for a pretty big company uh, in the U.S. And it's, it's almost like you go buy an expensive steak. You don't want to buy that expensive steak at the market and not know how to cook it, right? You want to make sure you do it right. So um, we have some things that are going to be working out between him and our company uh, starting next week. Um, But for now, I'm cold calling still. My wife and I are both on the phone and I'm actually driving out and I route myself per day. Um, Part of our cadence is first thing in the mornings as we read, you know, at least 15 minutes on industry news. We look at the rates and uh, the Friday prior, we do a weekly pre-plan for the day. So we kind of know exactly who we're going to call and what the plan is for that given day. And then I think you mentioned it in one of your videos, Dennis, a while back. I don't know which one it was, but you said one of the worst things that sales reps are good at or bad at is follow up. They suck at follow up. So I told her that, and I don't know if I got it from your video or somewhere else, but the 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 percentage rate of return from a buyer on the follow up increases substantially after the third time or the third contact. So now we've given ourselves a goal that we're going to follow up with every cold call at least five times, Right. Let it be through email, through the phone or in live, but we're going to at least make, you know, five contacts. And after the fifth contact, then we'll spread it out more and just, you know, put it in our calendars, you know, to kind of touch touch on them again. But other than that, we're just kind of moving on. And uh, we decided to take on a different approach too. we're not we're not trying to contact, you know, 50 shippers in one day because <clears throat> you kind of tend to go a little shallow. Right. So we do take our time and and we study the, the client you know, a few minutes, not too much. I'm talking about 15, 20 minutes on their website about us and then do a quick research, find out anything about the company that we can. Who do they deal with? Who supplies them their raw ingredients? You know, who do they ship to? um, What are their rankings? Who do they compete against? So just kind of just basic information before we make that phone call. That way we have some knowledge about their industry and their business.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I call that sales intelligence. And I think it's really important, that step that you're taking, because a lot of brokers, a lot of salespeople in general, whether you're in the logistics industry or not, they don't do that upfront research. And, you know, as you get better at it, it won't take you 15 minutes. You'll be able to recognize some common patterns, particularly and you'll also as you start digging into a specific niche you'll start seeing these things repeating and it'll just become second nature to you but right. gathering that sales intelligence is extremely powerful because what it does is it totally differentiates your conversation from the conversation of everybody else, most of everybody else that's cold calling. Because when they cold call up, they're basically cold calling and begging for freight. That's what most freight brokers do. And that's the reason why you don't need to be a rocket scientist. You don't need to be some smooth talking salesperson. You don't need to have a ton of experience in order to get shippers and get customers in this industry. But what you do need to do is you do need to be a little bit different. Right. And so I don't know if you've heard me say it before, but I've said it hundreds of times. And, you know, over the next several years, you'll hear it hundred more times. Different is better than better. Everybody plays the better game. Well, we're going to get better rates and we're going to have better customer service and we're going to have better technology. That's all great. And I think that's all important. And I love that but it's not different than anybody else because everybody says they have good customer service and everybody says they have good communications and everybody says they have good technology. So you're not different. You're just like everybody else, but it, but your differentiation can be how you approach your prospect, right? A cold call that sounds like a cold call is one of the most difficult ways to be different but if you were to use some sort of sales intelligence about maybe uh, an industry topic that's very relevant at this given point and you start using that as your as is you, you know your conversation piece when you start talking to prospects or they just got featured in some sort of an article or you have some quote from their vice president or ceo or they just acquired a new company or the you know there's new industry legislation that you can start a conversation about what that does is that that shows that you're educated mm-hmm. right that shows the prospect that you're educated and typically the you know buyers want to do business with educated you know providers and statistically speaking what happens is it's not always the best salesperson that gets the deal it's Typically the most educated. And I don't mean college education, right? That's that's all great and well. What I mean is about educated about their niche, educated about the buyer, educated about the industry, educated about the challenges, and educated in that, in that realm. So that's what I mean by educated. Don't take that wrong. I've seen plenty of people that you know, barely graduated high school that have been successful in this business, which is fine. You know, you know, this is, it's not truly indicative of your, your background or your education as to whether you can be successful. So I love that. Um, one thing I want to dive into really quick is I don't want to lose track of this. And that is, you know, you made the decision, the conscious decision to pull the trigger with that prospect because you felt like you had done enough due diligence, Right. And I think that's where a lot of people that are new to the industry struggle. They, they have a real hard time with taking any sort of calculated risks. They're very scared to fail. And I get it. I totally get it. You know, you don't want to have egg on your face. But here's what I'm going to tell you. You will never steal second with your foot on first right? It's just not going to happen. You're going to get picked off every single time. Could you talk a little bit about that process and how you felt and maybe, you know, some of the butterflies in your stomach and then how, you know, and, and why you did it. Just expand on that a little bit, because I think that's probably one of the most real situations that everybody is going to feel as a new broker or new agent.
1: Right, right. Uh, The initial feeling or emotion was fear. You know, and and I've had to battle with fear in the past, and I've always felt that it's just crippled me. And it's just not seems like it's not just me; it's a lot of people, right? That that go through this venture. But um, I just kind of made a commitment. You know, I've had a lot of I surround myself by you know good people, and and I have a good support group of friends and family. And you know, when your colleagues at work saying, "Hey, you know, they believe in you," and, and you're you know you're this or that, it's almost like, well, what's stopping me? Like, I need to believe in myself, right? So um, I was just done with it. I wasn't going to allow fear to get in the way uh, of my dreams. And and I just felt that there's no there's no passion and betting small. So we had to go big, you know, and that's why I said yes. That's why I said, you know, what, we got this. So then I kind of put myself against the corner, put my back against the corner. So let's fight from here and and we're going to make it happen no matter what. So at this point, my my name was on it. My company name was on the line and I wanted to protect that as much as possible. And I wasn't going to let anything go down. And I wanted to make sure that this customer who believed in me and gave me a chance, I didn't want to fail. them. I wanted to do everything to ensure that their project was successful and that they looked back and thought, you know what? It's not how much I paid this guy. It's it's really the service and and the level of quality work that he provided, you know, in terms of communication and everything else. So here's my chance. Like, you know, I didn't think I was going to get an opportunity to do this. So I had to take it right then and there. Uh, the, the most difficult part was obviously um, the before work and after work, you know, and fielding phone calls during work. That that was a challenge. Right. And that's when I ultimately my wife and I had a conversation, said, look, it's, it's not realistic at this point for me, at least for me as an individual to do this while I have a full time job, you know, because things come up and you have to be ready to address them, even if you have zero experience. So all hands on deck.
0: And so you decided at that point to do what? After you made that realization, you said, hey, listen, I can't do this while having a full-time job, which led to?
1: Yeah, so it led to ultimately pulling the plug. And I'm no longer employed um, at at my company anymore. And uh, we're launching full-time. So um, realistically, last week was my first full-time week. We're cold calling every day, and we're promoting a referral program. And I mean, it's where we have a cadence now. It's a daily cadence and we have set goals and, you know, um, we're giving ourselves four to five months to get this thing right.
0: Yeah. So just follow the timeline guys. He, he kind of stumbled across the idea in, in the fall. He pulled the trigger in January to go out and just apply for his license. It took a month or so to get that process going. He got it live He started, you know, doing some serious due diligence. He made some phone calls. He came across an opportunity with a cold call prospect that he had made. Um, He decided to go all in on that opportunity. Uh, That project went extremely well. He generated over $7,000 in profit. And shortly after that, he resigned from his job. He's now working his business full time with his wife. So I want you to understand that this can have, it doesn't have, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at once. Right. So I loved it. He took a very phased approach, uh, you know, to doing this, he's got a family, he's got, you know, he's got responsibilities, got bills, just like everybody else that's watching this. And so he took some calculated risks, but. He went out there and he was willing to staple his name on that, that opportunity. And that was the leverage he needed to say, listen, I got to pot commit to this thing. And if I don't do it, then it's not going to work anyway. So there's no risk without reward. And to the victory goes the spoils. The fact is everything probably didn't go according to Hoyle and he mm-hmm. probably made some mistakes and there was probably some issues that came along the way, but that's okay. You'll figure those out, right? You'll figure those out there's an old adage and it goes like this. If you wait for all the lights to turn green before you had to work in the morning, you're always going to be late. Okay. That's just the way it's going to be. So, you know, I have an amazing amount of respect for what Elio did. He took some risks and here he is, you know, kind of basically, uh, you know, living his dream, which was, you know, for him not to necessarily be stuck in corporate America, although he had probably had a great job. It sounds like, you know, it was a good company and he was making a good living. But now he's taken that leap. Him and his wife are off to the races. So I'm super excited. Is there anything else that you want to add of, you know, maybe lessons learned or just anything to try to help the audience? And then we're going to jump into some live Q&A here in a minute.
1: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I know there's, I think I heard you say this, Dennis, not so long ago, last week sometime. There's less freight brokers today than what there were three or five years ago. You know, it's still a lot, though. Over 17,000 licensed freight brokers you know, um, if you're starting, if you're getting started out and, and you're interested in this, you know, it, it does take a lot of time and it takes a lot of dedication, it takes a lot of hard work, and you really have to do your homework in advance, you know, um, show up prepared to any conversation, let it be a call with the truck driver, a call with the sh- potential shipper. Definitely due diligence is a big piece of what this is, is I, what I'm learning so far. And take advantage of the resources you have here with Dennis Brown. Um, I I took a lot from a Friday night Zoom call that we did with Yogi. You know, Yogi decided to host one one night. And, you know, I, to this day, it's part of our pitch. It's part of my pitch. You know, when he asked, hey, why don't you rate, rate, your, uh, rate the current freight brokers that you deal with? And I used it last week, and it worked in our favor, you know. Um, you're an independent freight broker, right? So you're up against these big conglomerates that make a lot of money and have the latest technology and they make things very turnkey. So when the lady told me what Dennis just said now, she said, hey, listen, you're you're telling me you're reliable that you you do this, you do that. That's what every freight broker tells me. How are you different? I'm like, let me ask you, how many freight brokers do you deal with? I deal with five right now. Okay, if you were to combine them all together, how would you rate and grade from one to 10 those freight brokers? Because I'd give them about seven. They're they're pretty good. Okay, seven. So at best, they're C+. How would you rate your client base? Are you dealing with C-plus client base or A or B-plus? No, they're all A, right? There's a gap. Allow me to fill that gap. Give me an opportunity to earn your business, right? So most of the big conglomerates you deal with, you just mentioned earlier, that you just have a hard time getting a hold of them. They're probably employees. I'm not an employee. I'm an independent freight broker. (laughs) We work before 8 a.m. We work after 6 p.m., so you'll have around the clock service for the most part. When do you deal with us? And she goes, okay. She kind of smiled and laughed and goes, okay, we'll start with a few loads and we'll see how that goes and we'll go from there. So it's, it's every situation is do or die because again, I have a wife, I have kids, I have a lot, we got to feed, you know, we got to pay mortgage, you know, so it's, you put yourself in a situation and you find out that you're a different individual because now it's on you. You got to make it happen, you know? And as you go out there and you're building your websites for your company and you're sharing this information make sure you don't put any content on your website that you can't hold yourself accountable to. Right. So use that as an integrity check. Don't say stuff just to say it. Cause I guarantee you're going to come across a shipper is going to say, you know what, well, you mentioned this on your website. And now you're, you're not being able to hold up your, your part of the, uh, of the bargain. So just I cautious that a little bit because I see a lot of freight brokers out there in their websites and it's, just, it's, it's interesting, but most importantly, network as much as you can network up front one of the things that I, I still hold true to this day, and I will, is when Dennis referenced niches, right? There's riches and niches. So I decided to go to the flatbed, you know, primarily because I'm in Southeast Texas, right? So we're the capital of energy and, and there's oil, gas companies all over the place. And I felt that's, you know, that's kind of an area where I want to focus in. You know, by default, I landed on steel pipe, right? So guess what? This week, I'm going to work on, on, uh, on, on farm equipment a little bit just to kind of, you know, still stay within flatbed, but eventually I'd like to hone into a specific commodity and go from there. We've had our hands in a little bit of everything. We haven't just done steel pipe, we've also done like big bulldozers that weigh over 50,000 uh, pounds. And that's been very interesting as well. So we have the options, but our focus is flatbed freight, 100%, right? 2% being hot shot, but 90% being flatbed or step deck freight. And that's what we're going to stick to. You know, um, in my previous experience, we did a lot of dry van uh, with work. You're right. But in my dad's even asked him, why don't you do drive in that's what you know. I'm like, that's the easy thing. I, I want to go and learn something new and, and see what we can do. And then maybe fall back to that one day. I think Dennis, when you started your business, if I'm not mistaken, you were very specific on either outbound, inbound, inbound uh, lanes. And I think it was, it was either drive in or, or reefer trucks, but you didn't, you know, and you had, I remember you said, you had an agent who said, Hey, listen, I have an opportunity with this, uh um, well, just flatbed, and you're like, no, we're not going to do that. We focus on this niche. So I came across the same situation with somebody who thinks they want to be an agent. It goes, Hey, I have an opportunity, but I can do dry van all day. I'm like, sorry, man, I don't do dry van. I'm, I'm flatbed. So I just want to be the specialist in, in flatbed. We want to definitely dominate this region and we want to be known for the flatbed specialist, you know, for Yeah,
0: For sure. Jack of all trades, master of none is not the way to become successful as a freight broker startup. Start with one niche, become proficient, develop that niche out, you know, build a carrier database, build a reputation, understand the rates, start delivering at a high level of service. And then if you want to expand into another niche strategically, absolutely go ahead, do that you know, we had lots of niches that, you know, that we grew over the time that I had my freight brokerage, but it all started with one. So we became the de facto expert in that niche and, um, and it served us well. We did well over, we did over a million dollars in revenue our first year and 3 million the second year and 6 million. And you guys know the whole story. So I look forward to that story with Elio and just, you know, a couple things to take away from what he said before we dive into Q and a, and that is um, we talked about the niche thing. I think that's super important. The other thing you said uh, when you talked about that cold call, how there's a lot of large companies out there, whether that be CH Robinson or Total Quality Logistics or TQL or XPO or all these large conglomerates, you have to find the advantage that you have over them. And the advantage to that is what I call big fish, small pond or small fish, big pond, right? So as a shipper, as a customer, and this is just a little bit of a, a sales strategy for you. As a customer of a freight broker, would you rather be a small fish in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond? With those large companies, they're small fish in a big pond, particularly if they don't have over 5 or $10 million worth of freight spend per year. So you're a small fish in a big pond. You're not gonna get their best resources. You're not gonna get their best team. You're not gonna get their best rates. You're not gonna get their best trucks. You're just not gonna get their best. But to me, Mr. Shipper, you're my, you're a big fish in a small pond. Yeah, we're small, but that's okay. That's going to allow me to spend a lot more time. You're going to get the absolute best out of us versus secondhand with someone who's large. And that's just a simple differentiation, right? The service is the same. We're going to use the same trucks, and we're going to use the same trucks. The rates are all going to be fairly comparable within probably 50 bucks per load. Right. And so the thing is, is you have to look at your, the things, the strengths that you have. And sometimes being small is one of the biggest benefits you can have. So, I mean, I could continue to comment. I mean, Elio had made up some really good points. Um, Totally appreciate you being here on the interview. Uh, I think it's very inspiring. I'm so excited to hear you know, the progress from your wife and, and and everybody that's involved in the business, it's going to become this family venture. And um, if you are listening to this, if you're brand new or you've been listening and you're on the fence debating on whether you want to become a freight broker, Elio said it, it's not a get rich quick scheme. It's something where you do have to do the work. But I've put together a course called Freight Broker Bootcamp. Had that course for over 10 years, have trained well over 8,000 students, and we have a 60 day, 100% money back guarantee, ironclad. You don't even have to give us a reason why you don't want to continue with it. We'll give you your money back if it's within the first 60 days. So you literally have zero risk. Okay. So, Uh, If you're curious about becoming a freight broker, freight agent, check that out at freightbrokerbootcamp.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'm humbled that you allowed me to be a part of your day. Now subscribe to the podcast so we can do this more often. And for those of you that take the next 15 to 30 seconds to rate and review the podcast, thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. And who knows, maybe we'll give you a shout out on a future episode.